Hello and welcome recording to Book Talk. And that recording in progress almost distracted me there. <laughs> uh, just a quick note to let people know. Hey, if you can never make, for whatever reason, can make it to the Zoom room, you can always go to legendoldies.com and click on the Listen Live link and listen on your computer or, you know, use the Lady A skill and talk to your you're a lady and do that and listen to this particular program or your phone however you do it you can listen and be mobile but you're enough for me it's time for the stars let's turn it over to jenny and nolan take it away jenny and then you can give it to nolan well, good, ap- good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Book Talk, where this week we will be talking about the children's blizzard. I have uh, the list of the hardcover bestsellers for, for the first week of June. And so we'll have recommendations and hope you have some as well. Nolan? You can unmute, Nolan. I, I hit the button for you to ask you to unmute. Nothing like leaving the superstar out. I'm I'm just um, sorry about that. I have a stupid bird clock that goes off on the top of the hour, and I didn't want that to be uh, involved in your recording somehow. So I killed my audio temporarily. Good to be back. Welcome, everyone. A particular shout out to the members of DB Review who are supportive and who have joined this program tonight. I'm I'm not going to do like the when we were all kids. You remember, did you watch Romper Room in your local world? I, I suppose you did. And Utah, where I grew up, it was Miss Julie. I'm sure the host where you grew up was someone else, but she would always talk about little kids she saw in her magic mirror at the end of the program. My name was never called, so I'm not sure what that <laughs> Mine was. wasn't either. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to do the romp room thing and call out those people individually, but you know who you are and you have my sincere gratitude and appreciation for your support and your kindness and spending time with us. That said, how was your week, Jennifer? Good. Very, very good. I'm glad to say I actually finished this book well in time for the show today. Oh, hooray. Good for you. That's good. Any other good reading that uh, stands out? Well, I, I've been reading uh, oh, a King and Maxwell book, The Sixth Man, and nice. that's always, I always like them. I wish he'd write nice. more of those. Nice. And I just started looking at The Memory Man, which is also a David oh, Baldacci book. Yes, you will love that book. I promise. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, I had a great, a, a really decent week reading too, although it's a little slower. Um, and um, got to listen at least to part of an interview that Sherry Gomes did the, the other day about her book Haven. So I have, I still have to read that, but I will. I've not uh, given up on myself yet. And uh, mostly, I focused on magazines this week, unfortunately. But I did read a couple of books, and we'll talk about those if we get time. If not. That's no problem. What's your desire first? Since you're the host of the program, do you do we want to start to talk about the buddy Why don't read? We talk about the buddy read. All right, let's do it. So the buddy read that we assigned one another <laughs> or volu- uh, voluntarily agreed to, I guess is a better way to put it, two weeks ago was The Children's Blizzard by Melanie Benjamin. This is historical fiction, and it is based on a nonfiction event that occurred in the uh, 1880s. Uh, there it is. I pulled it up. I've got multiple windows open here, including a couple of work-related ones that still need to stay open temporarily. Anyway, um, Melanie Benjamin is the author of this. Uh, if you haven't read it and you think by coming here tonight, you'll decide whether you're going to or not. The, the order number, sh- should you be eligible to download from the National Library Service, is DB101802, 101802. And... Uh, it's it's the story of a, a January day in 1888 that started unseasonably warm and even sunny in some parts of the Midwest. However, most of the schools were one-room schools in those days, and teachers had to decide whether to stay in class or let the kids go home and celebrate the great weather, one or the other. However, uh, lots of schools shut down early, but not all, and then comes this blizzard, and... Uh, this is real. This this impacted folks in Minnesota, in the Dakotas, Nebraska. It was a, a large storm, a really significant storm. Uh, hundreds of kids died, apparently, and obviously lots of adults as well froze to death and got lost and disoriented, etc. In the book, you have two sisters. Now, these are the fictional, well, I'm not sure the sisters were fictional, but the, 
the, some of the, many of the facts surrounding or many of the things surrounding their uh, experiences here are um, Gerda is the oldest of the two, I believe. She, she's the oldest practical one. She yeah, the she's one the oldest one. So practical. Right. She, on the other hand, was was eager to have a few minutes alone with the boyfriend. And uh, so she hurriedly dismissed her, her group. Um, Raina is, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. One thing I would point out is that when we say older, she was only 18 and, and Raina is yes. like 15 or, 15 or 16. So we're You're not right. talking about adults here. You're we're right. talking These about still kids. Good point. Raina is the younger sister and she decided to stay in school temporarily, at least. Uh, wind eventually blew out the windows, uh, some of the windows in the, in the place, and she knew she had to get those kids to shelter or they would all starve, or I'm sorry, freeze to death. So she connected them with ribbon and uh, whatever material she had at hand to one another, and they stepped out into that into that blizzard. And they set out and attempted to to find shelter. That's the setup. Now, in a minute, we can talk about Gavin Woods, uh, Woodson, rather, and his place, um, he made a, a tremendous amount of importance, uh, played a, important roles in this. I just guess I'll throw it out there. Those of you who read it, what were your thoughts on the book in general? We do have Connie um, with her hand up, so you guys can get her whenever you want. Well, let's do it. Let's take her now. There you go, Connie, whenever you want to unmute. I did, I did get her button there, Bill. Yeah. I thought it was a good book. Um, I just I I thought it was sad though that so many people passed away. Yeah, that's that's one of those freak of nature moments that happen, and just uh, no one saw that coming. I I guess today we would have seen that coming. I would love to have gotten someone like uh, the legend's own Steve Bauer involved in this discussion because he has a, a solid knowledge of weather forecasting. And he's not a he's not a weather guy necessarily, but he's done tons of weather stuff on local stations in wichita and he's he's certainly covered and broadcast tornado type things and and other phenomena like that and, and so go ahead my friend perry's a weather fan too oh well, definitely there you go then you would have a better understanding of today's today's compared to then you would know probably almost maybe not within a week but probably within five days you would have an at least an indication that it's coming and now normally within 48 hours mm -hmm. you will have you'd have a winter storm warning especially you know in this part of the country where we get blizzards yes. they 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 do that pretty far out now mm -hmm. yes thank you for that I, I i assumed that that would be the case but i um back then of course they had no real predictive capabilities uh -huh. Um, Mr. Lincoln, sorry, this phone is going to have to die. There we go. Mr. Lincoln experimented with balloons during the Civil War, but they weren't necessar necessarily widely in use, I think, certainly not as weather prediction uh, tools. So it would be very different today, as, as you point out, Perry. Uh, probably would have And that's what they do with balloons, Nolan, is they will, if they think that uh, there's going to be bad weather, mm -hmm. they will have, they launch balloons anyway, mm -hmm. for, to, to get, rather to get the atmosphere. But if they think there's bad weather, like a tornado day or something mm -hmm. like that, they'll launch four or five balloons a day, and I think they normally do too. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, that's great. It's so different now. And, uh, you know, and yet we still have unfortunate circumstances where freaky things arise very suddenly yep. and can create yep. problems. Mostly, though, if, if there's a, especially like in a tornado situation, if you listen to what they tell you to do and do it, yeah, you're going to live. 99% of the time, you're going to be fine. And yep. the, one of the things they tell you to do that you have to do is, boy, if you're ever in a modular home with a, with a tornado, you got to get out of that thing. Yep. Well, and, and the thing about this book, too, is that the day that this blizzard happens, they'd been, they'd been cooped up for two or three weeks and couldn't get it out because they had sub-zero weather and then like this day it's warm enough that they had on well for winter what would be light shawls and not their heavy coat and gloves and because it was warm and they could all get out and that was part of a lot of of it too is people were going places they'd gone to town to get supplies or whatever so people were away from home yeah that's that's the sad part of this these and as, as we pointed out in the early part of the book, some schools released early, go home, have fun in the sun, enjoy the day. 
and those kids were okay. Those the ones who got out early enough. But uh, it's uh, any other thoughts on the book in general? What did you think? Was it was the writing hard for you? Was it good? Was it how was the structure? What are your thoughts? I thought it was good. Um, I wish that the girls, the sisters, could have find found mate, but <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> And it, it, the aftermath is pretty interesting. Go ahead. I think it took me a while to get used to the way they would. I, maybe if I was reading it in Braille, I probably would have noticed it. But it took me a while sometimes to figure out that they were thinking things instead of being in the reality sometimes. And it would kind of go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Any other hands up, Perry? We do not have any at this okay. time. All right. Um let me toss this. Is there anything specific about the book? That well, really now it's just about the time we said that. No, it all changed. Uh, Joni's got her hand up, so let let's me, let her go first. Let me, Next. Joni, I got your button for you. So whenever you unmute, you should be good to go. Well, I have not finished the book. Okay. Um, I, I started a, started it a few months ago, and then I um, took up the book again and got a little confused. Okay. Uh, so I, um, I thought it was very interesting and a little heart wrenching. Yes. Because there are children that were just put out into the weather. Yes. And not really thought about or cared about too much. So um, I did plan to finish it, and uh, quite intrigued. I might have to start from the beginning because I read it the beginning so long ago, but. Um, Thanks for letting me. Well, thank you. Appreciate your, your perspective. These these folks, these children were, in many cases, the children of immigrants. And um, I, like Joni, I got the sense that that particular society was a bit hard. I'd like to think that today we would have done better at trying to protect little kids from things like that. But I don't know that that's true. I think human nature is what it is. And I'm not convinced that we're all that much more enlightened than they were in 1888. <laughs> we have uh, Don with his hand up. Go now. ahead, please. Don, you can unmute Don. I hit your button there. Yeah. I'm not sure if Sandy's with me or not here. Uh, I, I am. Oh, great. Uh, I, one thought I would want to put into this is that, uh, of course, I was uh, born and raised in the, the Wyoming area mm-hmm. there, and uh, that partic- at that particular time in history, there were a lot of uh, big cattle raisers right. in the area, and the, the trouble with that ty- time of the year was that uh, they, they would bring in so much cattle, they were actually overgrazing the land, mm-hmm. and in a winter storm like this, uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of these animals would die. Absolutely. They wouldn't find them until spring. Right. And yep. uh, they called it the great die-up, as a matter of fact. I don't know if that's happening in this particular instance, but it certainly happened uh, before and after that. Mm-hmm. And so I'd, I'd be interested in reading that book to see what it uh, had to say on that. Didn't didn't really focus much on animal loss, but we know that it happened. Um, if you go back and look at the, the nonfiction accounts, there were severe losses from uh, of cattle and other things, other animals. Um it, it it apparently was instrumental in driving a lot of folks back away from the frontier and back into the east. Uh, some folks didn't didn't bother to stay. They lost a kid or a family member or something, and it just that was the as the old saying has it the the straw that broke the back, and as it were. And so a lot of some of those folks didn't didn't stay. They just packed up and left. Um, obviously, a lot more stayed, but it had a real impact. Um, it, it seems to speak to the to the, how do I put this, almost the hardness of that society. That society seemed to be one in which life was was brutal and uh, short. And, um, you know, if if that's the society you're in, then you're going to mourn the loss of these kids, obviously. But um, I don't know. It just seemed like a an interesting age. We didn't do... They, I wonder if they could have done more to protect those kids. That's all I'm thinking. And it's no fair to sit here in air-conditioned 2023 and try to second-guess people of 1888. That's not fair to them, certainly not to us. But it's uh, it's interesting thinking to think about what might have been. We have Gregory's hand up. So, Gregory, you're well, good to unmute now. Yeah. There we go. Um, 
you know, another thought too is is uh, what they had to wear in the in, even in the deepest, uh, frigid, most frigid weather in the plains and northern plains states mm-hmm. uh, in those days. Huh, you could pile all the clothing on that you could from that you had in the house, and it probably wouldn't have been enough. They didn't have downfilled uh, parkas and and insulated boots and uh, That's a great point. Things like that. They had a That's lot of a wool, uh, you know, stuff. But uh, a lot of those, and, and economically, they just couldn't afford all the uh, yeah. fancy schmancy things that we take for granted today. That's and, a great point. And and plus the when they went to school in the morning, they often were in line of sight from where they started out because you could yeah. see you know, across the prairie to yes. where your houses were. And yes. so was, you know, walk a mile of school, no big deal. Right. And you know. Uh, uphill both ways in in uh, knee deep in the snow of course and uh uh but i've also read another book ab- about this blizzard which i haven't been able to find out what the name of it was just yet i thought i had it on my goodreads list but i don't uh but the local weather uh the regional weather was in st paul minnesota i think where the weather bureau was and, that, and their instrumentation consisted of a, a like a pole on literally on top of the, of the roof of the building and that's where all their high height um, their thermometers and hygrometers mm-hmm. and all those weather instruments were and the, that blizzard eventually blew that pole over i think and uh-huh. and, and uh, pretty much wiped out and of course then there was a telegraph but then the, those wires went down sure. so that that wiped out all communication between uh, washington dc and, and and the country so a, a, a very fascinating i i read another book and the book i'm looking for uh and one of the interesting comments was of course all, the, most of the people in this area that we're talking about for this particular book and i've downloaded it but i have got started reading it just yet but uh we're norwegian of extraction True. and uh very doer yes very stern germanic uh yes. People, I'm one side of my family is Germanic. And boy, they they would rather yell and argue than. I don't know, and, and one of the comments that makes me laugh every time I think about it was one farmer told a, a friend he loved his wife so much he almost told her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, but but well, just to, just to show you how far we've come though with these weather things, and you're correct, the Weather Bureau was in, in St. Paul, and and there's and it still is. But now we have those those machines and automated weather stations where you can get weather anywhere. So you, if if that would occur today, we would be able to have instantaneous weather from everywhere, but within what, what's going on. Yeah, yeah, you, it's it's so precise these days. You can look at something like the Big Sky oh, yeah. app, the Apple Weather app, and you can almost tailor pinpoint uh, things to specific neighborhoods. It's a little bit different, but I was listening to. Uh, file from WCCO. They had tornado coverage from 1965. Wow. And then they had some from the 80s and some from the 90s. It is just remarkable as to how far advanced. It, I mean, in 65, it was one way, but once it hit the 80s and the 90s, it was totally different. How bad? Well, yeah, because you have Skywarn and some of yep. those other. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um Let's talk a bit about the decisions made by the two sisters. What what do you think was maybe, other than obviously the, the children who died, in what ways do you think those sisters were impacted by the decisions they specifically made? Well, I think Gerda was especially hit hard after the fact because she... She had very selfish motives yes. for releasing those kids early. Yes. And she was so excited that even even once the snow started, and she really didn't worry that much when she looked back and she didn't see them. She had the two little girls with her, but, but they were going to drop them off, so she wasn't that worried about them for a while. Yeah. And then, you know, once once Tiny took off after his horse, then then she was really in trouble. Yes. And then, you know, she had her, I don't like to say, come to Jesus moment, but basically <laughs> that's what it amounted to. She had to take those little kids and try to get them somewhere. And I really, my heart broke for her once she finally got got there and realized that she'd carried those two little girls and who knows how long they'd been dead. Right. That was one of the real slam points of the book just oh the, the thought of carrying those little dead bodies uh that would impact you for the balance of your life i should think i would think you'd have 
nightmares about that in- incident uh, long down the road. I don't know. Um, oh, I would. I I know I would. I just can't imagine. The the things got harder for Gerda when Reina was kind of made out to be a hero too. That made the whole thing even more difficult. Um, the well, one and sister. the fact that her parents didn't really want to even support Gerda that much. I mean, they were mad at her. Right. Yes, you're right. That brings up Greg Daniels' point about these stern, uh, unyielding uh, Scandinavian-type families. And boy, they're gonna once once they get a a clue, once they get an idea that this is how it is, they're they're gonna they're gonna stay with that. So, uh, yeah, it's it was sad to watch the the very divergent paths that those two sisters took. And- but do you think if if it had happened to Raina instead of Gerda, that her parents would have been as disappointed because, you know, they, Gerda was the practical one. Cause even in the beginning of the book, Raina said, she kept saying, Oh, well, I, I wish Gerda would hear. She would know what to do. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. That's a brilliant observation. The, the parents would not have been as, as frustrated, disappointed, or angry, whatever they were. Um, she was also the young one. So they would have been able to use age as a, uh, kind of an excuse Um, i've got another perspective too sorry jenny i didn't mean to cut you but i've got a caller from kalamazoo who recorded his message on the 800-693-0595 option two line and so it only takes about 30 seconds if you guys can do that correct yes they they can do that yeah of course but I'll play it right now. It's from Paul in Kalamazoo. You remember okay. that line, don't you, Nolan? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can get this to play right here. I think I can. Paul, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, I want to weigh in on this book here. you got to remember that back in those days, we were an agrarian society. We had, lo- we had large families. Uh, and the children were basically free labor. They were there to uh, keep the farm running. And we didn't think all that much about children and the bundles of joy that they are today. They were free help. They were free help on the farm. They were uh, they were uh, free labor in, in the factories. Remember the lintheads and the bobbin boys? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was taken for granted that if you were able bodied, even if you were a small child, you worked. So that's my take on it. Bye. Have a good day. Brilliant that way. That's brilliant. That's great insight. And and he's absolutely right. It was you. Those kids were almost commodities. Almost. Um, I'm not suggesting those parents didn't love those kids. That's ridiculous. But they were, in fact, kind of, uh, yeah, like he said, free labor. You you pitch in or you are in deep trouble. <laughs> so that's a valid point. Jenny, you were going to say something when I interrupted you. Oh, I don't, I don't remember what I was going to say. Now it must not have been important because I forgot. Sounds like me all the time. <laughs> I did want to ask you, Nolan. Without, I don't think it'll be a spoiler. But what, what did you make of the letters from Gerda when they read the letters that she wrote to Raina, and it didn't make you think that she, I couldn't figure out if she was actually reading them, if she ever saw them. Or if it was just their way of saying that Gerda was riding off into the sunset. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that she, whether she was the the narrator on those letters or whether she saw them. I assume she did, but I, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I mean, that one about her being in Chicago. I just mm-hmm. wondered if they ever, if she ever actually saw any of them. Hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I can, don't recall the specifics. So. Um, Let's spend a minute, because we really need to, uh, on the narrator. What are your thoughts on the work that she put into this? She did a good job. I mean, it would have been hard to do. And she did, I thought she did a good job of, with the accents that you knew they were Norwegian people, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't, Mm -hmm. like, dramatic so that you couldn't understand her. Right, right. And that's always a bugaboo of mine. If you're gonna, if you're gonna do an accent, be careful with it that it doesn't become some um, uh, intellectual toe stubbing exercise uh, in the book. And and she handled those. I thought well. I thought her 
whole demeanor was perfect for this book. There was a certain amount of emotion, and she brought that without being uh, without being overly dramatic. I think some of those commercial narrators, Tavia Gilbert comes to mind, unfortunately for me, who can get a little, little hyper-teary. That's not even a word, but I think you get me. Uh, a little hyper um, dramatic in some of the emotional stuff. Campbell, Cassandra Campbell, managed to convey the emotion without uh, going completely over the over the edge and and doing it in a silly way. I, uh, according, I have in my in my Goodreads review, I refer to Campbell's narration as the star that put this into the elusive five star uh, world uh, it deserved an entire star and and i i really thought she made the book constantly interesting kept the flow kept a nice cadence her pacing was really good and so i, I any other thoughts on the narration we have don with his hand up so All don right, if you want to unmute okay. Well, I thought the narration <clears throat> was exceptional, <clears throat> and I thought I, I thought back to our conversation of last week when we were talking about quality narrators, because this book clearly was up there with, with the narrations that we grew up with, and the way that she narrated and the care that she took with the narration. I also, though, want to go back to, the, to Jennifer's question about the narration at the end of the book, um, or the letters, I should say, at the end of the book. I thought that added tremendously to the book. I loved this book. And I loved part of what I loved about this book is that it showed in in very painful ways sometimes the differences that moments can make in our lives and momentary actions that we may not think a lot about while they're occurring, but how they can change a life. But my impression of those letters at the end was that it was really a way to to demonstrate how the the impact that the break in the relationship between the two sisters had. So do I think that um, Gerda saw them? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, it's possible that she did. It's possible that she didn't. But I don't think that was the point. I think the point was to really capture the importance of that relationship and the heartbreak with it ending, and especially the last one, where she basically says, this is the last you'll hear from me. Um, you know, I realize that we're, we're this is over. and that's. But it was just, that was, for me, one of the most heartbreaking parts of the book, because really, they supported each other in some really incredible ways, even when nobody else was supporting them, even at their lowest points. And that was then gone. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. That's great insight. What are your oh, thoughts on the reporter, Gavin Woodson? He's a guy who's a real cynic when he starts out here. How do you think covering that story would have changed him if, if it did? I think it, well, I think it did change him because I think he... He was uh, when and the when you first meet him, he's you know being driven by a boss who wants wants readers and wants the subscriptions trays. So yes. they're looking for any sensation he can find. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and and he when he took this on, he got a lot more than he bargained for. You're exactly right. That's well put. Woodson is the <laughs> the guy whom I first think of when I think about that old journalistic slogan, if it if it bleeds, it leads. Um, <laughs> and we, we have plenty of that today in our world, too. But that's what his boss was looking for. Get me something sensationalistic. Get me something that's going to raise the price of this paper or we're, we're going under. And uh, he was a bit cynical. And you saw him become less so, I think, as this story gets told. It's impossible to stay cynical and and uh, not deal with the impact of the the deaths of these little kids. And the, he he also wrote, of course, the, the stories of the survivors and uh, covered all the deaths. So it, you know, it had to have changed him in some significant ways. Anything else about the book that we want to bring up? Did we miss something here? Anything somebody wants to bring up that we missed? I don't think we, well, I mean, I don't think that we missed anything. My conclusion would be, I really wanted to know what happened to Raina. If she finally found somebody that loved her because she deserved to have a good life. She at least deserved that, yes. Yeah, I don't know. 
And I really, I guess I wanted him, I wanted her to put a bow on it and tell me she yes. found either maybe even if it was Gavin that she right. found somebody, somebody and found her calling. And- right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's the time when you wish you had the author here to say, why the heck didn't you do this with this character? And maybe it could explain sometimes the decisions they make. Uh, I've not been an author, but I can imagine that it's sometimes interesting on that side when people will say, I really think your character should have, and you're back there smiling, saying, well, except that I created that character, and I really didn't think he or she should have, whatever. So that, that's got to be an interesting experience. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I wish we had known more about Raina's uh, life, and and you have to hope that she turned out okay and did well, but who who can say? The frontier was a hard place, so... Um, well, thank you to all who have participated in this part. We still have a lot more to come, by the way. we got like another 25 minutes of really good material. Do we want to talk about something down the road, or do we want to kind of hold out a while until we pick something? What are, what are your thoughts? Well, we can we can maybe look around and see. I hoped that more people would have maybe wanted to talk to us and read this. I wonder if we um, are doing too many in a month. That's what maybe. I wonder, too. Yeah, me too. Maybe Gil has an idea. All right. Let's let let's let him. I uh, uh, don't think the frequency is great. Um, I just chose not to read this one because I'm I'm not into heartbreaking books. Okay. <laughs> and so um, I I just choose not to read that kind of a book. So um, that's fair. I would vote to in the near future to read Haven. Okay. By Sherry Gomes. Yep. I'm leaning that way personally myself, just because. I need to read that book for another project. So so there's some self-interest here. I'm just going to disclose right up front. Um, Yeah. My question is about the frequency. Are we too, should we move this to maybe once a month or once every three weeks or life is is hectic for people, I know. I don't want to, go ahead. Joni, do you have a thought on that? She's got her hand up. Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, I think every two weeks is, is too often. Okay. Uh, when you do a lot of reading and you're mm-hmm. in a lot of book clubs mm-hmm. and the books overwhelm you. Okay. Yeah. Um, what what would, would you suggest? Maybe once a month. Okay. That's that works for me. I'm I'm good with a. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> Um, Jenny, you have been eerily quiet. Are we are we off base here? What, what are your thoughts? On, no, on I mean place? that's kind of what that's kind of what I was thinking, but I didn't want to be the only person that thought that because I know because <laughs> okay. I know I get trapped sometimes, and I have to stop one and read another one because I'm yeah, that makes one of those slow to... readers. <laughs> yeah, me too, and I I hate that thought of being trapped. I. Especially with audio, because I have to read it and pay attention to it and do that, and I can't do anything else while I do it. Exactly. We have in this order, we want Greg and then Pam. So, Greg, you're first, and then Pam, you're right after him. Okay, I'll make it uh, short. Uh, Nolan and uh, Jenny, since you guys are the co-hosts, how does this schedule impact the content of the show? Uh, of the of the podcast or uh, weekly uh, book uh, that's in- a fair question I think it actually may enhance it because it means that she and I will have more opportunities to do more recommend book recommendations okay just just curious oh but that's that's a great question uh, but that's just my take on it maybe maybe I'm missing something here but I think it would provide the buddy reads that we really want to do as a group but also then give us a little time in between to breathe and and uh and allow us to do more encourage more people to read with us mm-hmm. exactly That's... Pam, go ahead okay i have a suggestion with reference to <clears throat> how we are listing these books um if somebody 
refuses to join a club that is not a part of either debut review or the BARD program, be they cited or otherwise, mm-hmm. can you maybe list that book that might be on Libby? Yeah. See, Libby is hard because it depends on each town's library. Yep. And so it's impossible to predict whether it's going to be out there. It just depends on where you live and what, what your local library has purchased. So short answer is yes, we can use the Legend Book Talk list to hype the upcoming Buddy Read. And I ought to do more use of that list than I'm using. She's Jenny is at least putting up good material and, and letting you know what we reviewed during the week. Um, but And so I need to work harder at maybe putting up some, some things in terms of, you know, here's, here's a look at the next Buddy Read and things of that nature. So. I'll tell you what I read. Um, it was a really short read. <clears throat> I read Alex Trebek's autobiography. Oh, that yeah, that's a, a wonderful book. Um, Ken, Jennings, Ken Jennings read it, as mm-hmm. did Alex, read mm-hmm. parts of it. Mm-hmm. And four hours, well worth the read. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great book. Yeah. So we're all pretty much in agreement that we're going to drop this to a once-a-month Thing. Do we want it to be the first Tuesday of each month? Does that make sense? Yeah, that works. Okay. That way we'll remember. <laughs> now, here's the other issue. This year, the first Tuesday of July, is the holiday. Um, I'm assuming we're still going to meet, or what's your pleasure? Do we want to... Do we... I assume we, we still have a broadcast on that day, right? We don't take it off. Oh, no. We're always here. Uh, what day exactly. is the Tuesday? What day is Tuesday? It's the first Tuesday in July. It's the 4th. It's right the 4th. on the holiday. Oh. Well, people, you know, besides so, us, some people have a life. Um, right. So I kind of get that concept. I kind of get that concept. And also that the week of both the conventions that may week. well be. Yeah. Yeah. We could we could maybe skip that week since that's the convention week and the holiday okay. and Okay. Let's let's shoot for a hiatus of one week. That doesn't mean we're in pod fade, it just means we're holding no, out no. for a week. Um this is much too fun to stop doing. It's right. Oh yeah. No, I keep oh, thinking no, of that. Yeah, that. no, I don't I don't even want to get close. So we just we want to make it better. Whatever book we pick, let's plan to talk about it on the 11th. So should it be Haven? Is that what you want to do? Well, it's hard for me to decide because, like I said, I have some other reasons for needing to read it. So um, I'm fine with that. Yeah, the short answer. Um, but it's up to everyone else here more than me. We have... Okay, Ham's... Let's go to Joni again. Okay. I really would like to do Haven. Okay. Because I've been wanting to read it, and it'd be so good to read it in, you know, with other people mm-hmm. uh, being able to discuss it. And That's my vote. I agree with you, and uh, we, we can see if we can convince the author to, to come on board and just answer questions, um, recognizing that we would do everything in our power to make sure she had a... Uh, a friendly, good environment in which to <laughs> to work. Yeah. Uh, Gil's hand is up. Okay. I just wanted to repeat that uh, Haven would, would be my vote. That's for sure. All right. Okay. Well, that sounds like the the ticket, and I'm grateful for that because, as I said, it helps me for other reasons. And so, um, we will plan. And now on we that. have uh, Sherry's hand oh, up. Speaking of that, yeah. Speaking of her. Speaking of the author. And you should be able to unmute, Sherry. I hit your button there for you. All right. So, yes, the author will be there on the 11th if you read Haven. (laughs) (laughs) If you decide to read Haven, and I'm giving no pressure. I understand. But it is available on BARD and also from Audible if people prefer that. Okay. So is the next one going to be coming soon? I have to finish it, but it's well on the way. (laughs) <laughs> All right, very good. But the, but right. you know, if you're here for people to ask questions, the pressure the pressure is going to be on them, right? <laughs> <laughs> I as love you talking see, about it, so I don't mind answering questions. As you can see, this is a fairly congenial group, though, so you're yeah. going to be fine. We won't ask you about spoilers. We promise. No, no. 
I don't mind. All right. Well, if you if you can be here on the eleventh, that would be a, a great addition. We appreciate that. So. And we love promoting your book. So right, right. Why not? All right. All right. So that's what we will do. Um, and I do like the idea of monthly. I think that's a better, a little less frenetic, uh, you know, schedule. So, so we'll shoot for for this this the eleventh in July, and then in August. Um, It'd probably be, I guess, August 1st would be the August group um, if you want to move it back to the first Tuesday. Yeah, I like so. the first Tuesday. Cause I, I do, too, because as the holidays get closer, you're still avoiding that holiday rush kind of stuff that, that could be a problem. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you to those of you who read this and those of you who, who brought it up and talked about it. We're grateful for your participation. Did you want to talk a hardcover uh books or what's your pleasure um we can do that i wanted to just uh real quick tell you about um a book that one of our listeners suggested was a good book um mm -hmm. was called the maid by nita prose have you read that no i'm not i just it's um db 106298 and i just wrote down the publisher's Summary, Summary. Mm -hmm. just real quick from, from Bard. It's um, 25-year-old Molly Gray doesn't interact well with the world and misses her gran who codified it for her life. She has gotten a job as a hotel maid and revels in her orderly duties. When she discovers a dead body in a room, Molly must unravel the real killer's identity. And he just said that that was a very Sounds good like book a great that thriller. he really yeah. enjoyed it. Well, good. That's, we will have to check that out. Um, as long as we are doing these things. We have uh, Joni and we have Gil in that order. So, Joni, you're first okay. and then Gil. This book is so good. Um, it's a little different, but a very different kind of character. And you start reading it, and you're not quite sure what's going on. And then all of a sudden, it hits you. And, oh, it, it's really a fantastic book. Okay. So well, thank I, you. I just very highly recommend it. Excellent. Thank you for that. Yo. Is next. And I think I hit the correct button. Let me go back you up did. and I can make sure too, Perry, if we need to. He's he's, he's dealing with some stage. There you stuff. go, Gil, go ahead and <laughs> Okay, very good. Um I just wanted at some point to throw in a, a, a book that I read this week that uh, I'd like to speak about. Is this a good time or not? Yes, this is good. Go for it. Okay. The book is called Miracle and Wonder, Conversations with Paul Simon. And it is one of the best nonfiction books I've read in a long, long time. Interesting. It, it really, uh, I just felt like I was right there and getting to know Paul Simon and uh not a traditional book. Uh, it couldn't be done in print, but because uh, uh, it really is literally uh, the interviews with Paul Simon. But you really get to see Paul Simon in a relaxed, uh, uh, you know, real <laughs> situations and, and telling it like it is. And I really, uh, really enjoyed this book and, and his take on you know how he created the songs he did and uh, what led them to the, the different kinds of music that. Uh, he, he chose to pursue. And I, I just, it, I really enjoyed the book. It's by, uh, let's see, uh, Nelson Gladwell, I think. Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, sorry, I didn't, I didn't. And it's uh, uh, DB108147. Okay, 108147. Yeah. It is okay. the audible version. I chose to listen to the audible version because it was in stereo ah yes and you <laughs> would have had the music good point good point there's, there's lots of uh music included in the background and foreground 
Interesting. Sit there and play his guitar and sing uh, as part of the interviews. And, uh, it's just amazing to me. It's fantastic. Interesting. Very cool. Thank you. Real quick, Nolan, just to explain to the listeners, you know it, and obviously you and Jennifer know it, but when we, when you come in, you're muted, and what I mean by hitting a button, Bill or I have to hit, well, you guys could do it too, but Bill or I have to hit a button to ask you to unmute. That's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about by hitting the button, right? because you can, they can't unmute until we hit that, so right. yeah. just, just so that they understand that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um. <clears throat> Do we have, well, I have eight minutes to six. No, go, go, go. Get your okay. reviews. We're going to give you more time in that hour to make sure all the, some of your reviews get in because that's the icing on the cake. Yeah, so, uh, I won't take long. I just want to no, no, take your time. a book that I've had on this list to review for weeks now, and I, I want to just get it done so that I can get it back into the pile that says, okay, you've done this one. Uh, it's um it's part of a series by Diane Mott Davidson. These are these are cozy mysteries, and I'm a fan of those. I have four daughters, and three of the four daughters are uh well, two of the four are cozy mystery fans, but they are extraordinarily uh involved cozy mystery fans. And so they've read a lot of what's out there and they're always feeding me recommendations. So if, if I'm gonna remain uh on speaking terms, I have to have at least read some of these. Um <laughs> And it's it's so fun to have adult children who are involved in reading. We're doing a family bingo right now. That's the month of June in which each of us were given a separate bingo board. And our squares were things like uh, um, a book f- from your favorite season of the year, or you have to read a fantasy book, or you have to read a um, a book about a town you've never visited. Some of those kinds of squares. And everybody got different ones. And we're all feverishly trying to do our five little bingo squares for June. And it, it's just a, it's one way to draw families that are a long way apart, closer together. And it's so much fun to have adult children who are avid readers. That's just a lot of reward. In any case, the book I want to talk about real quick is part of a series by Diane Mott Davidson. Uh, she's conventionally spelled Diane with an E at the end of her first name. M-O-T-T Davidson is conventionally spelled the book I read that I really enjoyed is called Dying for Chocolate. And this is the second book in that series. Unfortunately, the first book is called Catering to Nobody. That's the first book. And I and it is on Bard. I just, for some reason, uh, grabbed the wrong title and read the, the, the second one first. So I'm sorry for that. Um, so what happens here is you have a caterer and she is, that's Goldie Bear. That's her name at this point. She will eventually marry and become Goldie Schultz, which you may have read books um, in which that character is featured. They're the same person. Goldie is a single mom in this book with a son named Arch. He's a delightful kid, uh, just a really nice, kind of lovable, funky teenager. And uh, the, the author writes him in a magnificent way. He's not a kid that you wish would just curl up and disappear. He's, uh, he's a good kid in spite of his teenagerness. Uh, she's following home a... Uh, psychiatrist in who in whom she has a romantic interest they're in separate vehicles they are going up a winding colorado mountain road for some reason that nobody can figure out the psychiatrist who is driving his vehicle obviously crashes in a fiery nasty crash and he is he is killed um goldie on the other hand has taken a summer job for a retired general and his wife and their marriage is in serious trouble she uh She's agreed. Actually, she's not the general's marriage, but the neighbor. He has a neighbor whose marriage is in trouble. And Goldie has agreed to do a dinner party for that neighbor. Um, Unfortunately, that wife wants a dinner that has sexually suggestive themes. And poor Goldie is at her wits end in trying to figure out what on earth that's going to entail. I would tell you privately there or tell you quickly that this book doesn't include um, any kind of sexual stuff that. The, the sexual themes in it or the suggestions in it are pretty are extremely mild and you could give this to a church book group without any problem or anyone else she is struggling because her son's private school tuitions are high she has to uh, figure out who's writing anonymous uh, reports about her catering catering work that put it in a bad light <laughs> pardon me so she's got a lot on the plate uh tom schultz is the, is the detective who investigates the death of the psychiatrist and she helps Tom, but in so doing, she puts her son unwittingly in serious danger. 
one more person dies before this ends and it's an unusual poisoning that uh, involves chocolate as the title suggests so it's a it's a great book i enjoyed it and uh, again it's called dying for chocolate by diane mott davidson and it's db52160 once again db52160 and they are good books they really are fun aren't they yeah, they are. And like you say, I like art. He was a yes. little kid. He's really well written, isn't he? He is. A lot of books, the teenagers are, are portrayed as angsty, nasty little, grumpy, whatevers. And I don't know. I, I like the way she portrays him. He's, he is those things or can be. But he's also basically a decent guy who's trying to find his way in, in a... A confusing world, and that's always touching. It, it, it helps. And and I like. Have you read um, any of Tamar Myers' books? She yeah, has. I, a, I may have. She has runs. She's an Amish lady. Yes. She has a bed and breakfast, and and I she solves these mysteries. And her she always mm-hmm. writes about her sister who carries this little poodle around under oh, her yes, under yeah. her dress all yes. the time and 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 she takes things so literally that it's funny yes i think we have time uh, dan oh, dan has his hand up oh please. absolutely go ahead dan i just recently reviewed on dv review a book called forsaking all others it's one of those um uh, a mystery by jimmy breslin he was known for columns yes and he wrote a book about the catholic church uh kind of an indictment uh from his perspective but i i just read this mystery forsaking all others and i don't normally read books like that but i was looking for something as an antidote to the usual serious stuff i read which makes me sometimes fall asleep and this book has everything you'd want in a minute it's got violence sex uh double dealing you know, just downright nasty characters, some good character, and I, I recommend it. I don't have the DB number, but if you search for Jimmy, you know, J I M M M M Y a Breslin B R E S L I N, you'll find. And mm-hmm. there are other books by him. I plan. He has a whole bunch of novels, and um, not all of his books are on. And uh, unless there are probably other books that you can get from Bookshare, mm-hmm. um, but. It's your fault, Nolan, for making me read <laughs> some more I, violent books. I'll you take full responsibility for that. Yeah, and it's why not? like, how can such a gentle person like you <laughs> <Yeah>. review these <laughs> absolutely violent <laughs> garbage books? <laughs> All right, well, I'll take and it's amazing what you it's amazing what you like to read that you, when you know it's fiction, like I. I, yes. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind, but some of this true crime stuff that's is terrifying so awful yeah. that yeah. I just can't imagine. Yep. Yeah, me either. I. Uh, it's terrifying. Yeah. And it's psychological, because if I know it's fiction, I read all kinds of Stephen garbage. King yeah. and everything else garbage, yeah. and I yeah. think, man. Yeah. Right. But, boy, if it's I, the I, real I, thing, it, it's scary stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I feel the same way. All right, you know, folks, it's that. 6 o'clock. Sorry, I didn't mean to Oh, my goodness. Um, we need to This hour make went room. way too fast. This has gone <laughs> a, this been a wonderful quick hour. Thank you all for being here. You're welcome. And um, we appreciate it. And we will be back next week So with more reviews and recommendations. That's yep. it from here. Take care, all.